This episode of Geekville Radio is dedicated to the memory of George Perez. Geekville Radio. Hello once again, all you geeks and geekettes. This is Seth, a.k.a. Zandrax, the mayor of Geekville and the host of Geekville Radio, flying solo for this episode. I know there's a lot of stuff we want to review. I'm sure a lot of you listening want to hear our thoughts on Moon Knight and on Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness. We will review those, but unfortunately, the schedules of myself and my usual co-host, Crazy Train Jonathan Bullock, have not coincided enough for us to do those reviews, and I just think reviewing those shows would be much more fun to do it together rather than us do it separately, but... Rest assured, we will do those reviews, but I still wanted to get out here and talk some news. Also, give some predictions because the date of this release is May 25th, 2022, and that is affectionately referred to by some fans such as myself as Second Star Wars Day, although you could call it First Star Wars Day because May 25th is the anniversary of the release of the original Star Wars, what we now know as New Hope. It was released in May 25th, 1977. May the 4th also became an unofficial, official Star Wars Day, you might say. So we get two Star Wars Days in the month of May. But we will talk more Star Wars in the latter part of this episode because the Obi-Wan Kenobi series will finally be available this Friday on Disney Plus during Star Wars Celebration. And Star Wars Celebration kicks off this weekend as well. So that kind of coincides. But I wanted to get my predictions out there ahead of time before the series debuts. Because I, whenever I make predictions about a show, I want to make sure that those predictions are out before the show actually airs. Because it's easy to say, hey, I predicted that and after you already see something and nobody knew what you predicted beforehand. So I don't want to be that type of blogger, that type of podcaster who might be able to claim that he saw something coming when he didn't say so ahead of time. So we're going to talk a lot of MCU news, a lot of fun stuff happening there. We got two trailers to talk about. We got Stan Lee coming back. We got series that are coming to Disney Plus, as well as the next big Marvel series after She-Hulk with Secret Invasion. So it's basically going to be a Disney-heavy episode this time around because it's mainly just Marvel. And then, like I said, in the latter part, we'll talk Star Wars with Obi-Wan Kenobi predictions. But first, let's get to the news. Marvel dropped a full trailer for Thor Love and Thunder. They had a teaser a few weeks back, and we talked a little bit about that at the time. This definitely shows a bit more of the plot, because we do see in the flesh, so to speak, the MCU version of Gore the Godslayer played by Christian Bale. So this puts Christian Bale in the list of actors who have done both Marvel and DC. We also saw the on-screen appearance of Zeus. Marvel Zeus is in the Greek God, played by Russell Crowe, which adds Russell Crowe to that list of actors that have been in both Marvel and DC because, of course, he was Jor-El in Man of Steel. And this trailer seems to show that Thor did not know that Jane got possession of Mjolnir because it certainly seems like he was surprised to see her. And it'll be interesting to see how she acquired Mjolnir. It's one of those things that kind of got lost in the 
time jump with Captain America. Because if I, if I recall correctly, and I am open to correction, I may be remembering this wrong, but I could have sworn when Captain America went back in time to put everything back where it was that he was carrying Mjolnir with him. Now, it's safe to assume that he might have accomplished that mission, sent Mjolnir where, where it was, and then just whatever happened after that is the story on how Jane got possession of Mjolnir, or maybe there'll be a sub-story in that where something falls out in the timeline, and that's how she comes across Mjolnir. It, it was definitely cool seeing Natalie Portman back in character as Jane Foster, clearly hit the gym. I don't know how much of this will be comedy. I did like the take on Sweet Child of Mine by Guns N' Roses. It was kind of a symphonic version that had both the classic guitar riffs and the added orchestral touch to it. And I'm sure in tr true Taika IT fashion, this would be one of those with a killer soundtrack as well as a lot of goofiness. So I can't help but notice the differences that Gore has between his comic incarnation and what we see in this trailer. The biggest one is, of course, that he has a very noticeable nose. And Gore was clearly an alien type in the comics. He really didn't have a nose, just kind of had a face that just had an eyes and a mouth. And he had stuff on his head, almost kind of like uh, Twilight Tales. And there have been jokes, and I even made my own meme on this, on the social media at Geekville Radio, both Facebook and Twitter, that the... MCU version of Gore looks like if Uncle Fester from the Adams Family became a Sith Lord. Now, maybe with that pale white skin and no nose on the face and kind of the snarly look, maybe Disney was concerned that Gore would look a little bit too much like Voldemort, and so they decided to put a nose on him. I don't know. I think he looked more menacing in the comics than in person, but we'll see. Maybe he'll lose the nose later. I just I couldn't help but notice those similarities. And well, that said, Christian Bale's great in just about everything he does. So we'll see how well he does being the bad guy. I think Marvel and the MCU, they've just been riding this wave where they can do almost nothing wrong, I think, in the eyes of fans. And you know, when you make billions of dollars in multiple movies, you have several movies practically making a billion dollars. It's easy to uh, say that they can do no wrong. And hopefully the, the quality will continue. That was not the only trailer we've gotten recently. We did get the She-Hulk trailer. This trailer debuted last week. And as of May 25th, 2022, just the trailer on Marvel's YouTube page has 20 million views. So that's, that's pretty impressive for one page. The trailer definitely presented it as being more of a comedy than the previous series. In fact, it's being called She-Hulk Attorney at Law. We got very little about the plot, just that Jennifer Walters is chosen to be part of a superhuman law division. Presumably, this is before she gets her She-Hulk powers, because it looks like she's her normal self when chosen for this. And we also see that Hulk is still in his Professor Hulk form, as we saw in Avengers Endgame. That's how Hulk was presented in the 90s when I was reading him, and I, that was kind of my favorite incarnation of the Hulk, the one that was Hulk all the time, but still had banners intelligence. I wonder if something will happen with Hulk himself because there are the rumblings and rumors that one of the things we're going to get in Phase 4, if not Phase 5, is World War Hulk, which, as the name sounds, it's Hulk versus pretty much everybody. We did see several hints at, at the characters we'll see. Probably the biggest one is we saw Tim Roth 
in his normal Emil Blonsky form. Because, of course, in 2008's Incredible Hulk, he was turned into Abomination. And every time we've seen him since then, he's been in the Abomination form. So it looks like he's able to at least somewhat control it. It looks like he's held captive in some area and he's in his human form. So it makes me wonder if they've been able to contain his ability to become Abomination. Because if you look closely in the trailer, you will see Abomination. But it looks like he's growing out of the clothes that he's wearing as Emil Blonsky. So it looks like he's still in that same containment cell that he was being held in as Blonsky. And somehow he manages to, what would you call it? I can't say it, Hulk up, but I don't know, Abomination up. Because it looks like there's shreds of his clothes there. So it looks like he's somehow going to be able to become Abomination, and maybe that's how he escapes. Now, let me set this up for anybody listening that hasn't read the She-Hulk comics. Obviously, She-Hulk is a female version of the Hulk. Jennifer Walters is the cousin of Bruce Banner. Now, in the comics, she ran afoul of a crime boss, and she was shot because of it and severely wounded, probably was going to die. So Bruce Banner had to give her a blood transfusion in order to save her life. But given it was a blood transfusion, radioactive blood, as a result, Jennifer Walters becomes She-Hulk. Now, unlike the classic savage version of the Hulk, Jennifer can control herself as She-Hulk. So she actually enjoys being She-Hulk. She will go around as She-Hulk because she likes being She-Hulk more than she likes being a normal person. Which is kind of funny because we see that spot in the trailer where she says, I just want to be a normal lawyer or something to that effect. And I think that's one of the things that's going to change in the series. Is in the beginning, she's going to be, oh, I just want to be a normal person, blah, blah, blah. Then she hulks out, becomes She-Hulk, catches a couple bad guys, throws around a couple cars, and then she begins to have more self-esteem as She-Hulk. And then by the time the series is over, she's like, no, I don't want to be normal. I, I, I want to be She-Hulk. I think that's what we'll see. But we do see an SUV rolling around. My hunch is this will be a tribute to the original TV series from the 70s. If you're old enough to remember the Bill Bixby TV series, or if you've seen it on media since, after Banner got dosed with the radioactivity, it was his car breaking down that triggered him to become the Hulk in the first place. That was kind of the first big moment where he's frustrated, trying to change his tire and such, gets aggravated, turns into Hulk. I think we're going to see a similar thing to that in the series. Now, I'm assuming that crash happens after she's become She-Hulk. Maybe the transfusion goes well and she seems normal and then gets agitated and becomes She-Hulk. But that's just my hunch. She's maybe going to crawl out of the wreckage and turn into She-Hulk. And then after some time, she's able to control herself. We do see Bruce as Hulk training her how to do that huge broad jump that the Hulk does, complete with a superhero landing. So we're probably going to get the training montage, whether we'll get some awesome training music to go with it. I don't know. We did also see Titania. We also saw, of all people, a quick cameo of David Otunga, formerly of WWE. He's the guy you see kind of flexing his arms. I don't know if that'll be all he does in the show or if he'll have a bigger role. One thing I think we will see in this, because it kind of became She-Hulk's trademark for a while, especially during the John Byrne run in the 80s, when John Byrne was writing and drawing She-Hulk. And that's that she was breaking the fourth wall before Deadpool was even created. You might say Deadpool took that gimmick to new heights as far as breaking the fourth wall, but She-Hulk was doing it first. So I think we're going to see that as part of the comedic beats. 
Now, it is set to start on August 17th. We'll run for nine episodes. That's actually a few more episodes than most of these MCU shows are doing. I think I'd heard that these are going to be half-hour episodes rather than 30-plus or 40-plus minutes and change that some of the other ones are doing. Plus, if it's if that's a comedy, that may be part of the reason why it's shorter. But August 17th, 2022, that's when She-Hulk will debut on Disney+. Plus. That's going to be a Wednesday. And I'm assuming they're just going to come out with one episode every week through the following month. Also in MCU news, the famous Stan Lee MCU cameos look like they're going to continue. Stan passed in 2018, and we all kind of mourn not only the passing of him and the, the great career, but that was going to be the end of his cameos. Because he had cameos dating back to the late 1980s with the Hulk TV movies that aired in the 80s. But the Hollywood Reporter did break the news last week that Stan's POW Entertainment has joined forces with Genius Brands International to form Stan Lee Universe. And that brand has inked a deal with Marvel and Disney to use his likeness in future projects, one of which will be the movie cameos. So I don't know whether he will be motion captured, if they'll do like a de-aging type thing for somebody else, but instead of de-aging, they kind of do a, a deep fake type technology. Obviously, we've seen that could be done in Star Wars, but it was on Stan's official Facebook. It says, uh, get ready to smile a whole lot more because Stanley Universe, a joint venture between Stanley's Power Entertainment and Genius Brands International, is excited to announce a 20-year deal with Marvel Studios to license Stan's name and likeness for future films, TV productions, Disney theme parks, and more. Stan's final cameo was in Avengers Endgame in 2019, and he had already been gone about six months by the time that happened. But they did digitally de-age him to look like he was in the year 1970. And he also did a lot of other non-Marvel cameos. Mulrats is still, I think, my favorite Stanley cameo. But he was also in The Big Bang Theory. He was in a DC animated movie. But he was in all the MCU cameos until... Avengers Endgame. So we'll, we'll see how he gets handled. I did see some of the fan feedback after Stan passed that maybe they could replace Stan Lee cameos with Deadpool cameos because you can have Deadpool do anything and it would still make sense because it's Deadpool. I'd even seen because of the MCU TV series and Shang-Chi that we could get Wong cameos in other movies because the guy can make portals so he can, there's no reason why he can't just jump in through a portal to be everywhere he needs. That could be interesting. I would imagine that however he is presented in his post-life cameos, that they'll be done with taste, that they wouldn't have CGI Stan do anything that the real Stan wouldn't have done. I think that's going to be a pretty safe assumption. There was no name given as far as when his next cameo will be. I'm assuming it's not going to be in any of these series or in Love and Thunder because they only just announced the deal. And I'm assuming that Love and Thunder has wrapped in its photography. I believe they filmed all the principal photography. So maybe they'll find a way to work them in. I think my best idea, personally, for how to handle Stan Lee in the future, and I, may, I lay no claim to this, if anybody from Marvel or Disney is listening to this, and first off, if you are, I'd be amazed. But I'll just put this out there by my own free will that you could do a special on Stan Lee and hire a voice actor to mimic Stan Lee's voice and maybe just go with what we knew were some of Stan Lee's favorite comic stories 
that he had written or had read, and if they're Marvel stories, they could be acted out by the MCU cast. Kind of like the way they did the voiceovers in the Ant-Man movies with Lewis, where you hear his narrative voice and people just kind of act along with what he's saying. You could do that, but it's with Stan's voice, and I, I think that could be a lot of fun to be able to do that. We'll see, but I'm, I'm sure we'll probably see Stan on the big screen again within the next year, before May of 2023. Also in MCU news, it had been rumored for some time, but Variety is reporting that Disney Plus will be rebooting the Daredevil series. Of course, we all remember Daredevil, I think it was 2015, 2016, when it came to Netflix, had a very hard R format. I think it was rated TVMA, and it ran for three seasons, I believe. We also got The Punisher, we got Jessica Jones, we got Luke Cage, and we got Iron Fist. I don't know if we'll get all of those other characters or whether they'll just be Daredevil. Obviously, we saw Charlie Cox reprise the role in Spider-Man No Way Home, so it's a pretty safe bet Charlie Cox is going to be back. I can't imagine they would do this without having the other characters on board, at least if, if those characters are on board. I can't, and if those other characters are on board, I can't see them not doing it without the other actors. So if we're going to see the other characters, I think it's a pretty safe bet that they will work out a deal with the existing actors. So we'll see Mike Coulter again as Luke Cage and Kristen Ritter as Jessica Jones and so on. The rumor that now this will not be run by the same creative team that did the Netflix show. That show was created and run by Drew Goddard. This series is going to be run by Matt Corman and Chris Ord, who are probably most famous for doing the series Covert Affairs on USA Network. I don't think this is going to be nearly as violent or as dark as the Netflix version that got canceled in 2018. It's hard to believe. It's been four years now since those series got canceled. The rumor going around this time around, because in the Netflix version, we had the Defenders, and that was kind of their big crossover with all the other characters. They had defenders. This time around, they'll be they'll be the Marvel Knights. Whether they're going to be, I don't think they're going to be called that in continuity. But I think the show will be called Marvel Knights uh, because that is a brand within Marvel. There are the Marvel Knights titles, which really are standalone stories. They tend to be standalone stories, not really part of any ongoing continuity. But the Marvel Knights tales are geared towards a mature audience. So we may get uh, some measure of dark and violent and, and stuff like that, since Disney Plus now has the parental setting where you can allow those series to be shown. But like I said, I don't think it'll be quite as violent as we saw on the Netflix shows, because this is going to be the MCU proper. So I think we'll get a strong PG-13 type stuff. Maybe we'll see somebody get beheaded or something like that, but I don't think we're going to see violence and cruelty nearly on the level of what we saw in Daredevil or Jessica Jones. But I'm all on board with this. I think everybody loved Charlie Cox as Daredevil and seeing him in Spider-Man No Way Home. It was a nice little Easter egg. We all knew it was coming, but it was cool to see it anyway. We probably won't see it happen for another year at least. I, I, I Maybe 2024 before we see that show finally hit Disney+. Plus. So that may be phase four, could be phase five by the time that comes around. Now, the last thing on the docket for the MCU here is we got a rumor on the timeline for Marvel Secret Invasion. 
And I've gone on record before that this is the show that I am looking forward to the most when it comes to the MCU TV series because it's going to be Samuel Jackson as Nick Fury front and center. He's going to be the main protagonist of it. Now, we knew that was coming. And with the name Secret Invasion, that certainly seems to imply that it will be at least some measure of an adaption of the Secret Invasion story in the comics. Because one of the things that we saw in the Captain Marvel movie, we saw the Kree Skrull War, and they wound up presenting the Skrulls as being the good guys. I know there was that line the Fury had, so the Skrulls are the bad guys. And then it's like, oh no, actually the Kree were the bad guys. And if you've read the comics, you know that actually they're both bad guys. There, there's really no good guys between the Kree and the Skrulls. Although, unlike Dave Mason, I don't think it's they just disagree. I think they are both bad guys, and they're going to be at war with each other forever. A little cl- classic rock reference there for you Dave Mason fans. But anyway, as far as the timeline goes, it's being reported that Secret Invasion will take place during the blip. So this will be the first time that we've seen what's gone on during the blip outside of the beginning of Avengers Endgame. I think this should also, just simply based on this being scroll heavy and Secret Invasion title is even written to look like it's scroll colors. I think this is going to fill the gap between Captain Marvel and the end of Phase 3, if not the beginning of Phase 4. Because Fury came to know the scrolls in Captain Marvel, that movie took place in the 90s. We saw Fury in space with the Skrulls at the end of Spider-Man Far From Home. So roughly 20-some years later, he's been hanging out with the Skrulls off and on. This also means he was hanging out with the Skrulls at the beginning of the MCU in 2008. I wouldn't be surprised if we see Samuel Jackson once again get the de-aging treatment. If this is truly going to take place over time. If it takes place 10, 15 years, over 20 years, we might see de-aged Samuel Jackson, de-aged Nick Fury, dealing with scrolls, and then we'll also see the current 70-something Samuel Jackson in the present MCU day. Now, getting back to scrolls being the bad guys, anybody who's read the Secret Invasion series knows that the Skrulls were a big part of that. They were the invading force, and they were shape-shifting to become several of the known Marvel Universe characters. Jessica Drew, uh, Spider-Woman, being the, the, the catalyst, kind of, kind of the leader of that, so to speak. So I think we're going to get the story that Skrulls had been infiltrating S.H.I.E.L.D., infiltrating Earth, posing as some of the Marvel heroes and such, and then everything gets turned upside down, and now we don't know who is and isn't a scroll. We're going to see heroes we thought were heroes and then are actually villains because they're turned out to be scrolls. We might even see characters that were outside of the MCU. Who knows? We might even see maybe some X-Men characters or something like that that turn out to be scrolls. I'm not saying X-Men per se, but maybe we'll get some of the characters that we hadn't seen yet in the MCU get introduced in this and, oh, by the way, they're scrolls. I think we might see something like that. As far as what the resolution will be, that that could be very interesting. And it'll also be interesting to see what happens to scrolls and whether this ushers in any new characters. Presumably, the climax is going to be after the blip. At least the final episode, if not the final two episodes or so, 
is probably going to be post-blip, but looks like the majority of it's either going to be during the blip and possibly some of it even before. Like I said, they, they could be going back to the, the 90s with that. So that's why I'm looking forward to Secret Invasion the most. We're going to take a quick break here. And when we come back, we're going to dive into Obi-Wan Kenobi. This is Geekville Radio, and we'll be right back with Obi-Wan Kenobi prediction. Are you looking for a gaming-themed podcast? Check out You Just Got Friday. Join host Jared Aubrey and his panel of gaming enthusiasts as they discuss news and accomplishments in the gaming world, and of course, the gripe of the week. That's all at YouJustGotFrag.com, part of the Wrestling Brethren podcast family. Attention all time lords and ladies. This message is being sent by Lady President Romana and the High Council of Gallifrey. Geekville Radio presents Examining the Doctor. Join Mark and Seth as they bring their signature blend of knowledge and humor about everybody's favorite time lord, the Doctor. From Hartnell to Whitaker, Examining the Doctor provides episode commentaries for favorite and not so favorite Doctor Who stories. Available on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, GeekvilleRadio.com, or wherever podcasts can be found. When the time comes, he must be trained. Like you trained his father. Oh! Ah! All right, we're back talking Obi-Wan Kenobi, which will be starting up as of this recording this Friday on Disney+. Plus. We're getting two episodes. Was originally supposed to start the day of this recording, May 25th, but Disney pushed it back. I'm assuming so it could coincide with Star Wars Celebration, which is going on this weekend in Anaheim. And I wish I could be there, but I'm not, so... Complaining about it won't change anything. Well, we've been wondering about what Obi-Wan did during the 20 years between Revenge of the Sith and A New Hope. And we know that this will take place approximately at the halfway point. I think it might be as much as uh, seven or eight years after Revenge of the Sith and then go up to a couple of years before A New Hope. Because we do see Luke Skywalker as a child playing around in the Lars homestead. And I said I wanted to get some predictions out there before the series starts. So here are some of my predictions. Well, maybe I'm right, maybe I'm wrong, but I think we here at Geekville Radio, we've had a pretty decent batting average when it comes to predicting some of this stuff. I do think we're going to learn the meaning behind the name Ben. In that exchange, we heard Owen call Obi-Wan Ben. Now, who knows? Maybe Obi-Wan just refers to himself as Ben. I think it's pretty clear that Owen knew who he was because of the way he reacted to Luke way back when in A New Hope, because both Owen and Baru kind of look at each other in that quick exchange when Luke famously brings up Ben Kenobi, Obi-Wan and such. I think it's possible, though, that maybe the reason why he's able to get away with being called Ben is maybe like Skywalker. It comes from George Lucas himself. The Skywalker was a common last name. It would be like a Johnson or a Jackson. So maybe Kenobi is also a possible last name. That might not be very popular, but there'd certainly be worse things that have happened in Star Wars. I do think we are going to see the most we've ever seen of Vader outside of the helmet. So I think we are going to see crispy fried Anakin without the helmet, whether it's in his recovery pods, whatever you call them, like we saw in Empire Strikes Back. There's that awesome scene with that little dome thing where we saw him getting his head his helmet put on over his bald head. But other than that, really, in the original trilogy, all we saw was when Luke took his his helmet off. I think we're probably going to see the most we've seen of Vader without his helmet. 
I don't know if he'll be fully outside of the suit or if he'll just have the helmet, but we're we're going to see it because I don't think they would need to bring a Hayden Christensen on board unless they were going to show his face because they apparently did a lot of filming with each other, meaning Ewan McGregor and Hayden Christensen apparently had a lot of scenes together and you wouldn't have even needed Hayden Christensen on set if you weren't going to show his face at some point. I do think we're going to see Kenobi off-world as well. There's never been anything, to my knowledge, any sort of official canon that said that Obi-Wan just waited in the deserts of Tatooine every day for 20 years. It's very possible that he left to go off-world. And I, I think that those scenes that we're seeing that are in an urban environment, I don't think that's Tatooine. I think that's a different planet. Not sure what planet. I'm sure we'll find out. Could we see Mustafar again? Could, could the rematch take place in the same place as it did in Revenge of the Sith? Yeah, that's very possible. Could we even see Obi-Wan on the Death Star? Or at least around the Death Star? I don't think I'm alone when I say that watching the original Star Wars or New Hope when I was growing up, I, I don't think I'm alone in thinking that. I just assumed somehow he sensed you know, that snow moon via the Force. But maybe it was more than the Force. Maybe he actually recognized it. Maybe he saw something either in person or through intelligence reports, and he's able to recognize that that's the Death Star. Maybe he doesn't know the name Death Star, but maybe he's like, that's no moon, that's a space station, because he's like, holy crap, this thing's real. We have heard that the Andor series will change some of the ways that we look at things in Rogue One. Not quite sure what they meant by that, but in this case, I think it's very possible that maybe Obi-Wan knew of the Death Star, or at least knew that there was this battle station, if not had seen it in his adventures a few years before, and hence why he was so certain it was a battle station and not a moon. But wherever that fight happens, this is my biggest prediction here. This is the one I would, if I were a betting person, I would place my bets on. Wherever the fight happens, whether it's a draw, I think we're either going to get a draw or we're going to see Vader start to get the upper hand before something happens, before we see a run-in. You know, maybe maybe Cash and Andor comes in with a chair from behind or something like that. I don't know. Interference. We'll see Vader get busted up, but we'll see the fight end in a way that leaves the impression that Obi-Wan is dead, at least from Vader's point of view. I think that has to happen. Vader has to have that doubt that Obi-Wan is alive, because I think if Vader believed that Obi-Wan was still alive, he would have gone and hunted him down through all corners of the universe like he did for Luke Skywalker. Or maybe he learned his lesson by thinking, oh, Obi-Wan won't come back if he thinks Obi-Wan's alive. But I think it's more likely Vader's going to believe that Obi-Wan is dead, or at least it will be vague enough where he doesn't think that he survives whatever happened. I think we're also going to find out that Obi-Wan didn't know that Vader and Anakin were the same person, whether he's heard of, even heard of Darth Vader before this. So that would be a pretty cool reveal to find out that Obi-Wan's learned that Vader is Anakin. Obviously, he knew it going into A New Hope, but whenever he did find out, if we if we can see the moment where he does learn that, I think that will be an important piece to show as well. And I've also heard in some of the shows and some of the news I read regarding the return of Hayden Christensen. I've heard that if you weren't happy with Hayden's performance in Revenge of the Sith, that he may surprise you this time around. I I had heard that the reason he said the lines the way he did 
in the prequels is because he was trying to mimic the way James Earl Jones talked. So that's why Anakin talked like that. So he wanted to be more fitting for when he did turn into Darth Vader and did change to James Earl Jones's voice that the diction and such would still be the same. I mean, it, it works in theory. I guess there were people that just didn't uh, put those points together, but we'll see. I mean, I, I think it'll be interesting. I think Hayden might actually will surprise some people with his performance this time around. So there you have it. I think we're going to find out why he goes by Ben. We're going to see Hayden's uh, crusted up face. We might even get some flashbacks. We'll see Kenobi off world. We'll see the, the battle end in a way where it looks like Obi-Wan's dead. And I think we very well may see that Obi-Wan knew about the Death Star or at least seen or heard rumors of it before A New Hope. And hence why he was so certain that that was a space station, not a moon. We don't have much longer to wait. It's been 17 years since we've seen Ewan McGregor as Obi-Wan. I think we can wait a few more days. This has been Geekville Radio. I've been flying solo for this. You can find us at geekvilleradio.com if this is your first time hearing us. You can find us on all the major podcast platforms, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, iHeartRadio, Stitcher, Spotify, you name it. Just do a search for Geekville Radio. You can find our family podcast there. Social media on Facebook and Twitter is at Geekville Radio. I can be reached at Seth at geekvilleradio.com. Let us know what you like. Let us know what you don't like. You can give us a follow, give us a review on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, wherever you do reviews. Let us know what you like. Let us know what you don't like. Let us know what you want to hear. We'll be back sooner rather than later where we will dive into Moon Knight and Doctor Strange in the Doctor Strange in the Multiverse of Madness. And we'll also have our Obi-Wan Kenobi reviews very shortly as well. So I'm going to shut down the power here in the Geekville Radio studios. We'll talk to you folks again next time. Geekville Radio is not sponsored or endorsed by any product or company unless specifically stated. The views expressed by the host and or guests are purely their own and do not represent the views of geekvilleradio.com, a1-wrestling.com, or any affiliates. Some media used on Geekville Radio is the respective copyright of its publishers, all rights reserved. He's headed for that small moon. Yep, Katie. Okay, I think we can back him before he gets there. We're almost in range. That's no moon. That's a space station. What? You're even crazier than I thought. Look at the size of it. It's way too big to be a space station. Oh, boy.